Hi, this is Mark Brady. I'm the pastor at Anchor Faith Church in Valdosta, Georgia. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast today. We believe it will bless you and minister to you. I get ready to receive a word from God. Uh, go with me to Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2. This, this tonight, I, I, um, as I've been just kind of praying and, and you know, you, you get in a conference mode like that, you just get so full. I felt like I could go 10 different directions. I said, God, I really need you to dial me in here. I really need you to, I feel like I could pick apart any of these messages. You know, those of us that minister, we get just as much as we give, if not more. And, uh, you know, you're sitting in those sessions, you're sitting under the word, you're, you're hearing so much valuable content. And so, you know, even on the drive home yesterday and um, throughout the day today, just thinking about where we needed to go. And just so you know, um, I'm ministering tonight. Pastor Chris is actually going to be taken tomorrow night. And um, man, he's so loaded down with the kingdom. He's told me the last few times that he's been out ministering. He's he's like, man, I, you know, he's been wanting to talk to me. What, how can I drill this down, dial this in? Because uh, it's just so rich. And so um, I know that he's going to have a great word for tomorrow. So honored to have so many amazing gifts in this church. I know Pastor Caleb did a powerful job Wednesday night if you were able to be here, uh, be here and be a part of that. But um, there was one particular message. It was actually in one of the morning prayer sessions um, that just kind of kept resonating with me. And um, I think it was Pastor Danielle, she made the statement. She said, there's a difference between relationship and fellowship. There's a difference between relationship and fellowship. And just this key, this thought, this idea of what it means to be in fellowship with Christ. To be in union with Him. You know, really that was the, the, the goal, the, the purpose of Jesus coming. Wasn't so that He could get you to heaven, but it was so that He could get heaven to you. He could get heaven down here. All along, God has been trying to move his realm and his ways and his intents to this territory, to the earth. And while so many Christians and so many believers are trying to escape this to get there, God's saying, I'm trying to get this down there. Experience heaven on earth. Uh, just as Jesus taught us to pray that my will, heaven's will, God's will be done where? On earth, as it is. There should be no difference. It should, it should be symmetrical. It should look alike. There, it should be very synonymous with what God is intending and, and, and proving. We know that sin and destruction has been introduced here. We know that when Adam and Eve engaged the serpent, entered that conversation, and ultimately rebelled against God's plan, that there was now this sin and destruction that entered the earth. But Jesus came so that you could overcome the world. Jesus came that we could rule and reign on the earth once again. Not in totality as the way it was in the garden and the way that we will see it in the end. But the goal was that for every believer, every person that comes into the kingdom doesn't just enter a relationship that gets me somewhere when I die. But fellowship that helps me bring heaven here now while I live. You know, how many times have we been asked or asked that question? Do you know where you will go? When you die. And, and we've made 
the kingdom an exit strategy rather than how do we get heaven in this realm? And so this idea of fellowship, and, and I was looking at this here in Colossians chapter through, uh, chapter 2. Somebody used one of these passages, and I just kept digging in it and kind of looking at it. And so here in the New King James, we're just going to start with verse 1. He says, For I want you to know what a great conflict I have for you and those in Laodicea, And for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh, that their hearts may be encouraged. This is it, being knit together in love. Being knit together and attaining to all riches of the full assurance of understanding to the knowledge of the mystery of God, both of the Father and of Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. In whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Now this I say, lest anyone should deceive you with persuasive words. Right here he now switches gears and he says, The heart of the Father is, is that you would come to know and understand all that has been, been, been made available to you now in the kingdom of God. The wisdom and the mystery of all that is yours now. And I tell you what, anytime you see the enemy trying to deceive or trying to distract you from something, it's a pretty good indication of what should be valued. Anything that the, the enemy... Uh, conflicts with in your life or brings contrary knowledge to is a pretty good idea of what we ought to be holding as valuable. If the enemy is after it, then I need to understand more of it. I heard someone say recently that when when the devil asks questions, it's in an attempt to distract you from truth. Has God really said? That's an attempt to distract from truth. That's an attempt to deter you. You remember Jesus was led by the Spirit into a wilderness. And after fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, he's what? He's tempted by the devil. And the devil comes with a series of questions, doesn't he? If you are the Son of God. It's an attempt to distract. But on the flip side, when God asks you questions, it's an attempt to heighten the awareness of truth. Adam, where are you? He wasn't asking Adam, where are you? Because he didn't know. It's because Adam didn't know. And he wanted to bring Adam an awareness, you have separated from me. When God asks a question, when Jesus asks a question, Why are you of such little faith? That's not to challenge them and to shame them and guilt them. That's to invite them into, man, step up the faith. Come into the faith with me. 
It's only faith. Faith as small as a mustard seed that can move this mountain, that can calm this storm, that can heal the sick, that can raise the dead, that can see heaven come to earth. It's, it's, it's all you need. But why is your faith? He's not asking to in an attempt to distract them or distort, but the enemy always comes to distract and to distort, to pervert and to manipulate that which is true. So anytime I find the enemy wanting to deceive, because that's how he works. Anytime I find the enemy questioning things in my life, I mean, let's just think about some of those right off the bat. When you come into the kingdom, what's some of the first things he questions? Are you really saved? Is it real? Is God real? Is heaven real? Is all this real? Is the word true? Come on, you get filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. What's the first thing he questions? Is that really the Holy Spirit? Is, think about it. Every time he engages you with a question, it's to bring doubt and unbelief toward God's word that is already settled forever in heaven. It's an attempt to distract from the truth or at the very least, distort and manipulate your view of the truth. I mean, today in our world, we're asking questions about things that are just absolute common sense. Are we not? This is how the enemy works. It's a distraction. It's, it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's a, an attempt to derail you and deter you from the truth. Because when you know the truth, what? The truth will set you free. The freedom lies in the truth. And so he says right here, he switches gears. He says, I want you to know all that you've been knitted together with. I want you to know the mystery of what Jesus has accomplished for you. I want you to know the blessings that you have acquired now that you've come into the kingdom of God. And then he, he changes gears here in verse 4. Now this I say, lest anyone should deceive you with persuasive words. The enemy is good at deception. Remember what Genesis chapter 3 verse 1 said? He was the most cunning, tricky beast in all of the field. He's good at what he does. Which means if we're not careful, if we're not settled, we can be moved. We can invite or engage that conversation. I mean, I, I love that we have such a clear contrast between Eve's encounter with the devil and Jesus' encounter with the devil. Don't we have such a clear contrast? He came in questioning Jesus, and Jesus just stood his ground. Thou shalt, the word of God says, thou shalt not tempt, thou shalt not tempt the Lord your God. Man shall not live by, by every, uh, by, by, by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth. I mean, he just, he, he responds according. He did not fall into the deception. He did not fall into the trickery. He did not give in to the, to the deceptive tactics of the devil. If anyone should come to you to deceive you with persuasive words. For though I am absent in the flesh, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. Verse 6. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord. That's an event. So walk in Him. That's a process. 
as you have received in a moment, continue in over time, over process. Relationship happens in the event, the moment you're born. In Camden here, he became my son the moment he was born, the moment he was conceived, the moment his, 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 that, that, that life began to flow, even within the womb. What did the father say? What does the word say? That even before you were in your mind, I knew you. The relationship begins in an event, but now there's a process to continue the fellowship. Fellowship is not automatic. Relationship may happen, but fellowship demands some intentionality. Fellowship demands I continue in some things. And notice how the enemy, even though you might be in relationship with the Father, he can compromise the the connection and the steadfastness and the commitment to the kingdom of God through derailing your fellowship compromising the fellowship. As you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him, rooted and built up in Him, and established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. Beware, Lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit. Here it is. According to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. So now he he lets us know something. Notice that this deception and this trickery and this derailing doesn't come as the devil shows up in a red pajama suit with horns and a pitchfork. It shows up as the knowledge and wisdom of man. The enemy is always trying to get you to trade your kingdom knowledge for man's wisdom. The enemy is always trying to get you to to trade in your kingdom identity for man's, listen, we, we, are, we are amazing beings. We are creative beings. We are gifted beings. But on our best day, we fall short from what the Spirit of God can do. <laughs> on your best day, on your most holy, righteous day, you're firing on all cylinders, man. You're, 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 you're walking in love. You're obeying the Lord. You're responding to the Spirit. You're investing the Word. And on your best day, we still fall short from what the Holy Spirit can do in our lives. He's saying, be careful that you don't trade in your heavenly wisdom for earthly wisdom. For man's traditions, he says. Notice that the enemy is always trying to get you to uh, receive the inferior. It's, it's inferior activity, guys. That's what I was ministering on. I've been ministering on in that vein the last couple Sundays, and that's what I was ministering on mostly down uh, at the conference was this, this, this idea that religion looks so much like kingdom. And if we're not careful, we'll start allowing and accepting 
religious activity and call it kingdom of God. And it's not. It's far inferior. In Matthew chapter 15, you just write it down. In Matthew chapter 15, verses 1, 2, and 3, Jesus challenges those Pharisees and Sadducees and the religious leaders of the law. They said, why do your disciples, uh, uh, you know, compromise the, the tradition that our forefathers have laid? They haven't washed their hands before they've eaten. And in verse 3, Jesus responds with, and why have you forsaken the commandment of God for your tradition? Now, I know we think, why would I, why in the world would I forsake God's command for my ideas? But we do it all the time because it looks good. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, I believe for the majority, not everybody, but for the majority uh, that are in religious activity, they're good hearted people. I mean, if you really think about it, the Pharisees and Sadducees, they killed the Messiah in the name of searching for the Messiah. They thought they were pursuing the same thing. This is how the enemy works is is he'll get you to give up heavenly wisdom and, and heavenly engagement for man's traditions, for man's best attempts at achieving what the spirit is supposed to achieve for us. And we buy into it as if this is the way it should be done. But before long, we find ourselves far and away from what God actually wanted us to live and walk in. Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world. You know what this means is that, you know, especially as as the day draws nearer and nearer, The kingdom is going to be standing so far set apart from the world. And I don't even mean just the world as in sinners and those that refuse to receive Christ. I'm talking the religious activity. That we'll find ourselves as kingdom people set apart from even those maybe in our own circles. Maybe people we once ran with. Maybe people we once called, uh, you know, friends and co-workers in Christ and co-laborers in Christ, that there will become a separation. There will become a dividing line. There will become an opportunity for kingdom, that kingdom is just going to be so drastically different, that, that there will be those that will follow the basic principles of the world and not according to Christ. For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And you are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. I want to read uh, verses 6 through 8 here in the Passion Translation. In the Passion Translation, it says, In the same way, You received Jesus, our Lord and Messiah, by faith. Continue your journey of faith. Progressing further, here it is, into your union with Him. Every day for us should be another day of striving toward our union with Christ. 
That, you know, that right there will set you apart. But it's very difficult to reflect Christ if you're not in union with Christ. To reflect something means you've got to be in proximity to it. You've got to be close to it. A mirror has the capacity to reflect what is in front of it. And we have to be a people that yield to our union with Christ more and more. You know, as I listen to these prayer sessions this past week, it's always so challenging and convicting. It's good, but it, it, it hits you because, you know, although I, I think every Christian on the planet would say that prayer is an important concept and an important element of the life and walk of a believer, it's very seldom practiced at the degree it ought to be. I mean, if we are all honest, including myself, we could all say, man, I've, I really need to do better with my prayer life. But prayer has become a religious chore and a religious duty. Prayer has become something that we do, you know, either out of obligation, either out of last resort, uh, you know, nothing else has worked, so let me call on praying to my Father, seeking the Lord. When it was designed as the very tool of partnership with heaven. What was it? John Wesley that said, it seems as if God can do nothing in the earth lest a man pray. Lest we pray. You know, every revival started in a prayer closet. You know, I, you know, I can't wait to get to heaven and find out who we can really credit each of these revivals and moves to God to. Because it's, it's, it's not the minister that stood up on the pulpit, I can promise you. Somebody was on bended knee. Somebody was seeking the Lord day in and day out. Somebody was crying out for a territory, for a city, for a nation, for this world. Somebody was crying out for the, for the lost and the, and the drug addicts and the alcoholics and the prostitutes. Somebody was on their knee crying out to the Lord. And we just may not know until we get to heaven and find out they were the catalyst. They were the catalyst. You know, behind every, every great man, there's someone that, I mean, who, who got Billy Graham saved? What's going to be credited to his account? We think about Billy Graham and what, but, but who got him in the kingdom? You know, we got... You know, Pastor Paul, Apostle Paul, that's written over two-thirds of the New Testament. But man, if there wasn't for Ananias, we don't have Paul. If we have a hard-hearted Ananias that says, man, he's out butchering everybody. I ain't helping him. He's on his own. You met him on the road to Damascus, you save his life. And Ananias opened up his home to him, led him along the way, helped him receive the baptism of the Holy. I mean, Ananias has got a, oh, that's a large credit. To your account, man. So this 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 element, you know, of of fellowship, this element of of prayer, you know, as we were, uh, you know, just hearing these different sessions on prayer. I mean, it just it's like you just want to go home and just pray all day long. Like you want to take the pray without ceasing verse real serious. Like, look, man, I'm not getting if if it can do that, man, I'm all in. We've got to do better with prayer. 
That's just fellowship with the Father. It's just communing with the Father. It's nothing difficult. It's not a religious chore or religious burden. It's calling on heaven. It's hearing from heaven. You know, a lot of times our, our, our prayers is just a matter of us talking to God, but and there's a whole other side to prayer of hearing from heaven, hearing the voice of God and following his leading and his guiding. I heard someone say the other day, if you want to hear from heaven, posture your heart to say yes before the command's ever given. I thought that was so good. Because if we come in into prayer with a, if it aligns with what I want, if, it's, if it sounds like what I want, or are we saying, God, whatever you tell me, however you direct me, my answer is yes. I promise you, you will hear the voice of God very much clearer. I promise you. He'll speak. He loves yielded vessels. He said, in the same way you receive Jesus our Lord and Messiah by faith, continue your journey of faith, progressing further into your union with him, reading the word and, and our prayer life and attending church and, and fellowshipping with other believers. Th those are not just religious activities that make us good people. That, that's progressing further into our union with him. If you think about your, your marriage, you know, what would you do to progress further into union with your spouse? And, and, and what that would, what benefits that would yield in your marriage and in your life. Verse seven, your spiritual roots go deeply into his life as you are continually infused with strength, encouraged in every way. For you are established in the faith you have absorbed and enriched by your devotion to him. Look at that. By your devotion to him. Let me tell you something. This person doesn't have to be convinced that healing is for today. This person doesn't have to be, uh, you know, beat down over the head that the Holy Spirit wants to lead you in guidely in your daily life. Those things are easily received. This person doesn't have to be convinced that, that the Lord wants to bless you and wants you to prosper in your life. The benefits of the kingdom and the measure of all that God has for you, it, it's opened up to you when you walk at this level, when you fellowship with him. I, I know when someone's out of fellowship. Because they have to be convinced of the most simple, basic things that the word offers you as a believer. They have to be shown over and over and they have to be proven. And, and you have to challenge so much contradictory thinking that the enemy has brought in to dilute and distort the truth. But the truth is so apparent to those that are in fellowship and in union with him. Verse 8, watch this. Beware that no one distracts you or intimidates you in their attempt to lead you away from Christ's 
fullness. By pretending to be full of wisdom, when they're filled with endless arguments of human logic. Look at that. Those that are in fellowship with Christ should never find themselves debating those that are out of fellowship with Christ. You'll you'll never arrive at, at, at an even conclusion. You'll never come to a a level ground because those that fellowship with Christ don't have to be convinced of these things. But those that are out of fellowship have to rely, have to rely on human logic and wisdom, natural means. For they operate with humanistic and clouded judgments based on the mindset of this world system and not the anointed truths of the anointed one. In the, uh, the New Living, just want to see some things for clarity's sake here. In the New Living, I'm going to start back with, uh, let's see. Start with verse 6. And now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down into him. Let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught, and you will overflow with thankfulness. Don't let anyone capture you. Capture you. You remember that verse uh, that tells us to take every thought captive? If you don't take the thought captive, the thought will take you captive. It will. It will overcome. This is not a this is not a question. This is not, well, you know, if you feel like it, take every thought captive. But if not, you know, well, no, it's out to get you. So you have to respond with just as violent force that the enemy is bringing these challenges and contradictory thoughts to you, you've got to respond in such a way that says, no, I take that captive. That's a military term. That's a war term. Take captive. As a prisoner of war. And many times we're inviting thoughts into our lives that are contrary to the word of God. We open the door wide. Oh, come on in. We serve at dinner. We take care of it. Anything else I can, I can get you, Mr. Evil Thought? Would you like a room to stay in? Here's the fresh towels, <laughs> right? I just made the bed for you, and you let the thought dwell there, right? Come on. We, we are captured by our thoughts. There are people today worried about things that will never happen. But in their mind, they've already played it all out, haven't they, Matthew? Haven't they? They've played the whole scenario out, man. They have. They can tell you how it's going to end. They can tell you what's going to happen, how many people are going to die, how many, how broke we're going to be. You know, they're going to come in and take our country. I mean, they, they let the whole thing play out in their mind. If you don't take the thought captive, it will take you. You can tell. You can see it. You're bound. You are bound. You, you are captive to your thoughts. 
No, he says, don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that comes from human thinking and from the spiritual powers of this world rather than from Christ. For in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body. So you also are complete, here it is, through your union with Christ, who is the head over every ruler and authority. Last one I want to look at is the Amplified. Last one we'll look at. See to it that no one carries you off as spoil or makes you yourselves captive by his so-called philosophy and intellectualism and vain deceit idle fancies and plain nonsense. God calls our highest thinking nonsense. That's what it means when it says his ways are what? Higher than our ways. His thoughts are what? Higher. And that's not just our low thoughts. That's our highest thoughts still fall short of his thoughts. So what does that mean? I got to put on the mind of Christ. I've got to start seeing and thinking like him. What is Colossians chapter 3? He goes right into the next chapter, verse 1. He says, so if you've been raised with Christ, set your minds on what? Things above, not on things below. Even our highest level of education, our highest level of knowledge doesn't bring us into fellowship and union with Christ. How are we going to obtain the kingdom on our own natural ability? How are we going to obtain kingdom results? How are we going to see the supernatural if we're only engaging life on the natural? How are we going to heal the sick, raise the dead? Cast out demons on natural ability alone. Philosophies and fancies and whims. And, and he just calls it nonsense. Nonsense. Now, I'm not knocking growing in your knowledge and growing in understanding and doing all you can. I'm just saying it can't be relied upon like you can rely on the supernatural. You can't. I mean, Paul was a Pharisee of Pharisees. I mean, he just went ahead and told you, man, I, I was there. I obtained it. Naturally speaking, I was the highest of the, of the high. I, 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 was, I was more knowledgeable than any of them. If anybody tries to say they were more, I can prove it to you. The expertise, the knowledge, the skill, the, ex, the experiences, whatever. I, I got a whole plethora. And he calls it, but it was nothing but dung compared to my relationship and my fellowship with the Lord. Isn't that amazing? He says, none of that could achieve what I achieved through knowing Him and the power of His resurrection. They will not yield to you the same results. Following human tradition, men's ideas of the material rather than the spiritual world. Remember that we read in Galatians chapter 3? He said, who has bewitched you? You started this thing in the spirit. Why would you try to finish this thing in the flesh? 
If we obtained our relationship in union with him in the spirit, why do we think we can fellowship with him on natural terms alone? Why would we think that? No, it's got to be continued in the spirit. Men's ideas of the material rather than the spiritual world, just crude notions following the rudimentary and elemental teachings of the universe and disregarding the teachings of Christ the Messiah. Would y'all just stand with me? I'm, I'm, that's all I've got for tonight, but I just want to spend some time in fellowship. I think that we need to be reawakened to fellowship. Reawakened to fellowship. You know, this, this point just stood out to me that we, we cannot be a people out of fellowship with him and expect to operate in these kingdom dynamics in our life and expect to see kingdom results. If we are living with a, more, with a greater awareness of the natural than the spiritual, we will not yield spiritual results. It's not possible. And how am I going to be made aware? It's not by studying and studying and studying and highlighting as much as I can and, and taking as many notes. Those are all great things, and you need to do those things. But at the end of the day, it doesn't replace fellowship in union with him. We've got to be a people in union, in harmony. I said this one of the nights, and it was completely by the Spirit. It wasn't in my notes. It wasn't any, but it just, the, the word of the Lord came to me, and he said, Unity and harmony in the last days will be in great demand, but in short supply. I believe today. Why is that? Because of the distractions. I mean, I, I you know, one thing I, I can't tolerate, even for the busiest of the busiest, is I don't have time. Because everyone's given the same amount of time. We've all been given the same amount of time from the beginning of time until the end of time. And it's all up to us how we manage that time and use that time. We will make time for the things that matter to us. You know, as we grow deeper into things and things require more investment, typically the crowd shrinks a little more. Miles Monroe said it in his book, the prayer meeting is always the smallest meeting in the church. And that's not condemning or, or, condemning or, or, or guilt tripping anyone. That's just inviting us into, man, I'm just going to have to be more intentional to push that much more into the things of the spirit, into, into the things that enhance my fellowship in union. Can, can we be a people that are awakened that we can say, is this enhancing or degrading my fellowship and union with him? Is this helping me grow in greater unity with the Father, or is this compromising my unity with the Father? I don't believe there's a middle ground. And, it, and we don't have to do it in a shameful way. We don't have to do it in, in an obligatory or religious uh, way, in, in, in a burdensome way. But, but guys, there's just going to have to be some things I believe that we're just going to have to cut away from. 
mean, I don't believe any of us need to be on social media as much as we're on social media. I just don't believe it. And I think if we were all completely honest with, our, with ourselves, I know I am, that, that I find myself scrolling and sometimes I'm like, what am I doing? What am I doing right now? I mean, we, we have been conditioned to waste time. <laughs> we've, we've been conditioned to allow valuable minutes and hours go by with our thumb. We've done it. Is it enhancing my union? Is it strengthening my fellowship? Because God's, if you don't get anything else, this is what I'm saying. There's only, there, there are just some things, most things that you're only going to get through fellowship. That's what I'm trying to get at. He's saying that at the end of the day, our philosophies, our fancies, our, our wisdom, our natural ability, our religious activities. At the end of the day, there's, there's only so much I can provide for you as a pastor from a pulpit. There's only so much a, a good Bible study group of 7 to 12 people getting together consistently will provide for you. There's only so much that, that, that listening to podcasts and reading devotions will do for you. At the end of the day, you're going to have to make a, 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 an intentional choice to fellowship with the Father. To come into union with Him. So, Father, tonight we, we just awaken ourselves to what it means to be in fellowship with you, in harmony with you. Father, your word calls the church the bride of Christ. What should that fellowship look like? That should be the most intimate union on the planet. Not the bride as a whole, but each one of us individually recognizing that we belong to something much bigger than ourselves. And Father, may we not allow our relationship with you to be compromised by the lack of fellowship with you. That our fellowship should enhance our relationship. That we would be one that, that, that you would be so proud to say, that's my child. We know that you love all. But Father, we want to be ones that you are pleased by as well. We want to be the ones that you can look down and you can say with great pleasure and with great pride, that's my bride. That's who I died for. They're holy, they're spotless, they're blameless. I, I call them mine. I've brought them near. I've made them to be in union with me. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast today. We trust you received a word from God. If you enjoyed this teaching, be sure to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes. By subscribing, you'll be sure to receive a new message every week as soon as they are made available. And if you'd like to learn more about Anchor Faith Church, you can stop by our website at anchorfaithbaldosta.com. There you'll find our locations and service times, ministries that are available for you and your family. You can even give financially in support of the ministry. Thank you again for listening, and we look forward to seeing you next time right here on the Anchor Faith Church podcast.